But with that being said, let's take a look at the rest of Major League Baseball and what's going on. Baseball's first half left a lot of surprises, a lot of disappointments. I think if you're looking at teams, the biggest disappointment right now has got to be the Chicago White Sox. They come in, they go into the break at 46 to 46, three games back in the Central. They were seven and three in their last ten going into the break, but it was expected that the Central, the AL Central, is going to be the White Sox division to lose. And it doesn't seem to be going that way. The Guardians and the Twins seem to be holding strong in there. So, that's... That or the Blue Jays. I expected the Blue... Well, I wasn't really expecting the Yankees to be as out there as they are. But I also was expecting the Blue Jays to be a little better than they've been. They are in a playoff spot, but they did fire their manager for whatever reason, so... The AL East is the Yankees to lose, but I would like to see Toronto and Tampa put a little dent in there and try and and try and make up some ground on the Yankees. Then obviously we just talked about the Central. Out in the AL West you got Houston, Seattle, Texas, Angels, Oakland. The Angels just collapsed on themselves. Unreal. And then the Mariners going into the break on a 14 game winning streak have shrunk the lead down to 9 games that the Astros have over them. I don't know if Seattle's going to have enough to get past Houston, but I certainly think they'll have enough to get into the playoffs and be a wild card team. And at least we kind of talked about the Mets two and a half game lead over Atlanta, Phillies sticking around at eight and a half, and then Miami at fourteen back, and then the poor Nationals. We don't need to talk about them. Out west, the Dodgers hold a ten game lead over the Padres, which that's that's this sent the NL West is kind of what we expected it to be the Giants to regress a little bit Padres to be in that middle ground so the West is what we all thought it would be the Central is probably going to be the biggest toss-up so the Central going into the year in my opinion was Milwaukee's division to lose but St. Louis being St. Louis they're going to find a way to stick around they're only half a game back they both are coming out of the break. Milwaukee will be against the Rockies, and St. Louis will be in Cincinnati. So those two duking it out, in the and then Pittsburgh's 11 back, but those two duking out, the Cardinals and the Brewers, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch in the Central. Yelich has been a little underwhelming. Same with the Brewers pitching staff, but they've been able to stick around. The Cardinals, last night, Ryan Helsley throwing 103. I did not know they had that in there in their bullpen, but that's noted. That's good to know. Uh, they led with Paul Goldschmidt leading the way. He's probably the best player in baseball right now. Milwaukee and St. Louis is, and the Mets and the Braves are going to be the two division races to watch the closest as we head into the trade deadline. Because the trade deadline, you got guys like Wilson Contreras, Castillo, Soto, Frankie Montas. Those are going to be the big guys probably on the move. And a lot of executives think that Soto will not be a national at the by the trade deadline. St. Louis has been a team rumored in there. The Mets, the Yankees, the Dodgers, Padres, all of them have been rumored in on Juan Soto. So the trade deadline coming up with a lot of these close division races, the NL East and both Centrals being as close as they are, it's going to be very, very fun to watch as a baseball fan. It's gonna, The trade deadline is going to become that much more exciting. It's going to be... A lot of 
back and forth games going on. It's going to be a lot of big moves. It's going to be who can who wants it more. Again, the both centrals and the NL East are going to be the divisions to watch going forward. That'll be a lot of fun to see. But let's give out some first half hardware. We're going to go down the list. We got Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, MVP, and Manager of the Year. So, as I take a sip of water there, let's take a look at each thing. So, starting in the AL, right now, the Rookie of the Year is going to be Julio Rodriguez. I don't see how anyone can even come close to, to J-Rod, unless he has an awful collapse the second half. I don't see how anyone can go against J-Rod for AL Rookie of the Year. NL Rookie of the Year, a little more wide open, but I do think Spencer Strider of the Braves, he's been very good this year. Even against the Mets when he wasn't great, he was it wasn't a bad outing for him. Uh, he's been doing bullpen and starting, so I think i got to go Spencer Strider in the NL for Rookie of the Year. I think both of those races are kind of clear-cut. It's not really a two-horse race unless O'Neill Cruz can turn it on in the, in the second half a little bit more. He's been flashy defensively, but his bat, if his bat can pick up a little more, I think O'Neill Cruz can enter that conversation in the NL. Cy Young, I think it's pretty straightforward. Right now, it's Shane McClanahan of the Rays and Sandy Alcantara for the, of the Marlins for the Cy Young. I think Sandy should have started the All-Star game, personally, but I understand why. Kershaw started instead, considering it was in L.A., but I do I think Sandy and Shane McClanahan are going to be the, the or right now, the Cy Youngs in the AL and NL right now. Uh, I mean, Justin Verlander could make up some ground on McClanahan. Uh, Kershaw has had a great year. He could make up some ground on a contra. It's, it's, it's not set and done, but right if the season ended today, I think you got to go McClanahan and Alcantara pretty straightforward. MVP is where it gets a little interesting. NL MVP right now is Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, I said in the beginning of the year it was between Goldie and Pete. Goldie's just continued to stockpile on what his hot start. I think right now the edge has to go to Goldie with Pete and Manny Machado right behind him. The AL's a little bit more of a toss-up. Now, Aaron Judge is probably the favorite. But you also have Shohei Otani doing what he does every day. Jordan Alvarez doing what he does every day. Mike Trout doing what he does every day. It is a four-guy race between those four, and I think that it's going to come down to who has the better second half. The votes are in before the playoffs, so playoffs won't matter. But I think right now the top two, it's, I think Jordan deserves a lot of consideration. But I think right now Judge is probably the favorite because I think the people that vote are going to hold that the Angels are not doing well against Otani and Trout, which I think is unfair, but I don't have a vote so my opinion on that is irrelevant but I do think that that's going to hurt Otani and Trout in the MVP voting that's why I think Judge is probably the favorite right now over Otani but I do think you're also Jordan Alvarez deserves a lot more consideration in that than he'll probably get to and then manager of the year I gotta go the Yankees managers I gotta go Aaron Boone and Buck Showalter they got the two best teams right now well run in baseball I know you got the Dodgers and Astros in there too but for the longest time the Yankees and Mets were just miles ahead of everybody and I think right now it's hard to argue anyone else but the two New York managers maybe uh Severus of the Mariners depending on how the year ends for the Mariners maybe you look at Bob Melvin in San Diego 
But right now, I think the New York managers got a clean sweep of the Manager of the Year awards. Which takes us to Around the Horn to end this week's episode. Like I said, a lot to talk about, so I put, I'm putting it into two parts. Probably the audio will be in two parts, but I'll probably merge the two videos together to make one giant video. Uh, let's do Around the Horn and start at first base, and we've been putting it off long enough. Let's talk about Juan Soto. And what is going on with that? So, Juan Soto turns down a 15-year, $440 million contract with the Nationals. Which means one of two things. Either A, he wants more money. He wants half a billion dollars. Or B, he wants out of D.C. so bad that no amount of money is going to keep him there. And the common consensus among everyone is he wants out of D.C. that badly that he turns down $440 million. Excuse me, $440 million. Now, where he goes remains to be seen. Now, I made a TikTok about this. It aged poorly because Soto won the Derby. And he is Juan Soto. I would love the Mets to get Juan Soto. The Mets are one of the favorites to land him. I think Juan Soto should come to the Mets. However, what that is going to cost scares me a little bit. Not just the Mets, any team. What any team will pay for Juan Soto scares me a little bit. A lot of deals that the Mets have wanted or that the that have been rumored have included J.D., Jeff McNeil, and a bunch of prospects. Find the, the Nationals are going to want prospects for Soto. They're not going to want Major League ready guys. They're going to want prospects. The Mets' farm system is not very deep. They got five big guys. They're very top-heavy. They got Francisco Alvarez, Vientos, Brett Beatty, Ronnie Mercusio, and uh, Matthew Allen. Matthew Allen's the only pitcher of those of that five. Those are their big five. They're not a very deep farm system, hence why when they drafted a catcher with their first pick in the draft, everyone thought that that meant Francisco Alvarez was going to get traded for Juan Soto, which I highly doubt is the case. A lot of people, some people are saying that's what the Nats are going to ask for. I doubt it. I think... If I'm the Mets, I find some sort of package you put in Dom or JD, or both. You keep Jeff McNeil. You don't have a second baseman if you trade Jeff McNeil. And his bat is too good to, to trade him away. But if you can package JD or Dom together with Mercusio, uh, maybe Matthew Allen, maybe Vientos or Beatty, if you can avoid giving up Avoid giving up Beatty or Alvarez. In my opinion, those are the two you have to do everything to try and avoid trading. If you got your catcher and third baseman of the future, if you can avoid trading those two, if you have to trade Vientos, Mercusio, and Matthew Allen, that's okay. If you're able to keep Beatty and Francisco Alvarez, the Mets should do it. And you're not getting a guy like Juan Soto to be a rental. You're getting him at 23 years old to be your outfielder forever. Which brings to the next part. Let's say the Mets pull off this trade. Let's say it's and JD and Dom, along with those three, Mercusio, Vientos, and um, Allen. The Mets get Soto, and they they get Corbin thrown in there too. They get a ro- another arm for the rotation, and they take Corbin's contract off the Nationals' hands. Let's just say hypothetically that's how it plays out. Now you have to extend Juan Soto. You also have Jacob DeGrom, who is a free agent at the end of the year. And my argument was, 
that Jacob deGrom, keeping Jacob deGrom should be the Mets' top priority this offseason because elite pitching is a lot harder to find than elite offense. And if you could keep Jacob deGrom, you need to do it. But you also need to keep a guy like Juan Soto. You keep him, you have him in the outfield, you move Canada DH because you're trading uh, JD and Dom away. You can, uh, every so often, you could put. Uh, Soto at DH, but for most part, Canna's probably your DH. Then your outfield is Soto, Nimmo, and Marte. That that would be the best plan of attack for the Mets. If they can extend Soto and DeGrom, that would be great, but you also have Diaz, who's a free agent. Nimmo's going to need an extension soon. They're, the Mets are going to have a huge financial question to ask when it comes to this offseason. There, it's money's going to be a huge factor, and Steve Cohen has made it clear he doesn't care if he overspends and goes over the luxury tax. But at the same time, you got to be reasonable with how this team is constructed. So the Mets and Billy Epler and Steve Cohen are going to have a huge question to answer if it comes to trading for Juan Soto. Should they go get Juan Soto? Absolutely. Is it going to cost an arm and a leg? Absolutely, and justifiably so. But you also have to fast forward and think ahead to the offseason – what are we going to do about extending him, extending Jake, keeping Diaz, extending Nimmo? What are we going to do with all these guys? Plus, we're losing a lot of guys in the bullpen because their their contracts are up. What are we What are we going to do? So the Mets are going to have a lot of questions to answer once the offseason comes around. I hope the Mets do get Soto. That would be great. But I've you got to look. You got to think ahead a little bit and picture ahead what's going to go on with a trade for Juan Soto. Let's go over to second base and talk about the trade deadline. Soto is going to be probably the big guy. You also got Wilson Contreras, Frankie Montas, Luis Castillo. The Mets got to get some arms in that bullpen, maybe get another starter. Maybe they get Corbin to take his contract in the deal with the Nationals. They take on his contract and get Patrick Corbin. That's gonna, the trade deadline is going to be very fun to watch. I cannot wait just to sit there all day and just watch everything unfold. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be chaos, and that's what we're here for as baseball fans. That's really all there is to say about the deadline is that there are going to be some big moves made. Uh, the Astros and Mets are probably the favorites for Contreras. The Mets and Cardinals and Dodgers and Yankees are probably the favorites for Juan Soto. Then you got Frankie Montas and Luis Castillo, who have been rumored to be in trades for the past two or three years. They finally, hopefully, will get traded. It's going to be a very big deadline. So let's head on over to third base and talk about Jacob deGrom. Jacob deGrom was supposed to come back right out of the gate, out of the All-Star break. He had some muscle soreness, so he got pushed back a little bit. Not going to be... Mets Twitter was overreacting immensely yet again. Jacob deGrom is just having muscle soreness. It's okay. He's going to be fine. It's normal to be sore. The Mets need to treat him with kid gloves, especially with the position they're in. They need to take this very carefully and just say, okay, let's take it slow with Jake. Let's not rush him back. We're doing great right now. We're almost a lock for the postseason. Let's just not rush him back. And that's what the Mets need to continue to do is just not rush Jake back. But let's head on home. To this day in baseball history, not much considering the fact it's usually the all-star break around this time forever, so there's not a lot going on, but on this day in 1941, Joe DiMaggio had three doubles and a homer in a 12-6 to 
17-inning win the Yankees had over the Tigers in Detroit. 17 innings. My God, I think, what was it? 2013, the Mets went into um, 20 innings against the Marlins. Was it 2013, 2014? Somewhere in there. I don't think we'll ever see a game go that long again, but maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't mind that, having the games go that long, but that I wonder if we'll ever see a game go past the 12. Because of that runner on second stuff, I wonder if we'll ever see an extra inning game go past 12 innings. That'll be a lot. That'll be that'll be fun to watch. I'm interested to see how that plays out. But I'm hungry, so that's gonna wrap up this week's episode of Raise the Apple. Make sure you follow on Twitter RTA underscore Pod and on TikTok at RTA Pod. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and Apple Podcasts wherever you're listening. New episodes every Wednesday. Thank you guys for tuning in. Trade deadline is gonna be chaotic. I cannot wait for it. Well, you'll see you guys next week. Let's go Mets.